Welcome to Best True Crime Podcast, a division of Best True Crime Books, Games, and Video, LLC. I'm your lead investigator on this case, Judith A. Yates, award-winning true crime author, a criminologist, and a paranormal explorer. Every episode is an investigation where you and I explore true crime, forensics, historic cases, dark history, and criminal theory. We discuss the cases, share information, no chatter, no commercials, no off-topic. Now, grab your crime scene kit, a notebook, and your favorite hat. This is Best True Crime Podcast. The date is 2022. The place is your community. Your assignment is to consider the culture of sexual assault and how we need to change. On August 4th, 2020, Daisy Coleman, an activist against sexual violence, subject of a documentary on sexual violence against female teens and a rape survivor, committed suicide. She shot herself after numerous suicide attempts in her young life. Four months later, her mother also committed suicide by gun. The media immediately began reporting statistics on sexual assault rates of females and contact numbers for suicide prevention organization. And then it stopped. Our society continues to overlook a vital lesson in Daisy Coleman's suicide, and it's the importance of educating men and boys on sexual assault against women. Again, another sign of proactive rather than reactive in response to crime and focusing on the wrong people. In the current news, Education on date rape and sexual assault appeared to focus only on teaching young women how to protect themselves. For example, no means no, the correlation between alcohol and drug consumption and sexual assault, and, of course, the self-defense mechanisms. What also could be addressed, or should be addressed, is teaching our young men, in that time-tested vernacular, how to be a gentleman. Why aren't we teaching our young men no means no, the correlation between alcohol and drug consumption, what sexual assault is, the peer pressure dynamics, and the definition of a real man? See, approximately one in five American women have reported completed or attempted rape at some point in their lifetime. Approximately one in six women experienced sexual coercion, which means being worn down or forced to say yes to a sexual act. That's according to the CDC. In 2018, the self-reported incident of rape or sexual assault more than doubled. That's according to a study by Morgan. Now think about this. Women are being worn down or forced to say yes. That's incredible because here is a girl no means no. No means no. But yet, somehow, some way, a young man is forcing her to have sex against her will verbally, just by words alone. An older but revealing study from 2014 reports that 31.7% of college males in a study at the University of North Dakota said they would act on intentions to force a woman to sexual intercourse if they were confident they could get away with it. 
meaning if they knew that they wouldn't get caught, then 31.7% of college males said they would force a woman to sexual intercourse. However, when asked whether they would act on intentions to rape a woman with the same assurances they wouldn't face the consequences, only 13.6% of participants agreed, which means they don't understand the difference between rape and forcing a woman to sexual intercourse. And this is according to a study by Morgan. The researchers concluded that the respondents did not equate the word rape and forced sexual intercourse. So these guys aren't just, you know, these sexual predators, animals, whatever you want to call them. They're just not educated. And Dr. Sherry L. Hambry, who is the editor of the journal Psychology of Violence, had interviewed incarcerated rapists, and she says, no one thinks they are a bad guy, including inmates who have abducted and kept women as sex slaves. So she goes into the prisons. She is interviewing and speaking with incarcerated rapists. Now remember, incarcerated rapists only make up a very small portion of men who have raped women. It's estimated probably about 8% of rapists go to prison. And then you got to think, here's these perpetrators who have abducted women, taken them against their will, chained them up, tied them up, kept them against their will, and kept them as slaves, literally kept them as slaves. And they report that they're not a, quote, bad guy, end quote. And again, there's this disconnection of the perpetrator from the victim. And there's this victim blaming, victim shaming. I've talked about this in another podcast about victim blaming, victim shaming. Experts note one last trait shared by men who have raped. They do not believe they are the problem. So these guys aren't believing that they are the problem. Again, victim blaming, victim shaming. In studies on sexual assault, researchers have discovered other commonalities in rapists include these rapists usually deny that they have raped women, even as they admit to non-consensual sex. So these guys are blurring the lines between rape and non-consensual sex. Yes, we had sex against her will, but I don't consider it rape. Also noted in these studies on sexual assault, researchers have discovered that the men who are committing these sex crimes against women note that they begin early, high school, first years in college, and that these men raped an acquaintance. Now, in other podcasts, I did discuss this. I discussed how stranger danger is a lie because really, what is a stranger? And how women are more likely to be harmed by someone that they know. And this is why I believe education on sexual assault prevention should begin as early as junior high school. I also discussed this in podcast number eight that was on Robert Periano, the fencing coach accused of sexual assault against his students. 
And if you notice a pattern here, one, these guys who are committing sexual assault don't see it as sexual assault. And two, they're going to commit the crime, not against a stranger, not against grabbing somebody, just jumping out of the bushes and grabbing them, but against someone they know, usually a date. Date rape is far more common than rape of a stranger. And repeat offenders will report feeling rejected or they feel as if they're not in a favored group. For example, high school sports players. As these males become more successful, you know, a real man, a college man, uh, a, a true man, a, a one of the boys, because the sexual assault is like a revenge tactic. So you're not one of the guys or you're not getting back at, quote unquote, the women if you haven't done this sexual violence or sexual assault. There's almost like a brotherhood in these, in these individuals that has created from this behavior. Now, this is a dated study, but it's a very revealing study of high school boys. 60% of these boys found it acceptable in one or more situations for a boy to force sex on a girl. Let's try this again. 60% of high school boys found it acceptable in one or more situations to force sex on a girl. One out of five students reported they have experienced forced sex. And only half of them told someone about the assault. That is in a study conducted by Davis. Think about this, okay? It looks like a vicious cycle here. And you got to think, is there a correlation? We're not teaching our young boys. So they grew up to be these high school boys who say, well, it's okay if a girl says no or a girl says I don't want to for us to just take it. And then we become a man. We become uh, the boss. We take what is ours. Then they grow up to be these college boys to create this bond with the other fellas, with the other guys. So are we creating this cycle because they got, you know, these guys grew up to the being the man to teach the son or don't teach the son. Now think about when we discuss losing virginity here. Girls want it to be music and pillows and certain songs playing and, you know, romance. Guys see it as a rite of passage. Back in the day, men taking their boys to the whorehouse to lose it. Yeah, that's my boy. But what about the females? Wait till you're married. See, we've got this dichotomy here in, in our society of what it is for losing your virginity and you know, with the 
for example, with the prostitutes, you take what is yours. The prostitute is not a woman. She's giving you what you deserve. Thus far, historically, prevention and awareness of sexual assault has always been a girl's problem because we teach the female to protect herself. Media attention focuses on the female. The victim survivor creates the nonprofit organization to raise awareness. You see these women who have been raped or sexually assaulted, even, you know, the victims of sexual harassment, they're the ones who are creating these nonprofit organizations to raise awareness. You will never see a group of men creating this nonprofit organization. Yes, I am a rapist. Rapist Incorporated. Rapists are us. And marching to teach awareness of being a rapist. Daisy Coleman co-founded Safe Bay, S-A-F-E-B-A-E, which is still ongoing. It's an organization working to raise awareness about sexual assault in middle and high schools. Now I'm going to, I'm going to add on to this here. When I taught high school, which I was tell people the worst six months of my life, I was director of the criminal justice department in high school. And I wanted to start a awareness campaign for both boys and girls on sexual assault. We weren't going to teach anything. We weren't going to talk to anyone. What we were going to do, we were going to get local pamphlets from nonprofit organization on both domestic violence and sexual assault. And we were going to create areas where students could pick these up to read and have phone numbers where they could call, safe spaces where they could go to talk about this. Not on campus, not phone numbers of any instructors, but the nonprofit phone numbers and 1-800 hotlines. And I was told by the school principal, we don't have that problem here. And I explained, wait a minute, I've had at least two girls this week come to me and say, I'm scared of my boyfriend because he hits me. I'm scared of my boyfriend because he's forcing me to have sex. Oh, well, maybe two of the girls, maybe two people in this school, but we don't have any problems here. Okay, what about these girls and boys that are growing up in households where there is domestic violence? Well, these are good kids. They don't have that problem. And no matter how many statistics I could quote or reports I could show, we don't have that problem here. See, here's part of the problem in the schools. Schools strive for as low, low incident numbers. School shootings, uh, reported sexual assault, uh, gun on campus, fights on campus. This is why so many things don't get reported because the higher number incidents of a school the higher risk factor they are given. And then the school board starts looking at the leaders of that school as quote-unquote bad leadership. The principal and everybody else. And she was a new principal, and God help her, look bad at this school. She now works for the school board. Ah, so we don't have any problems at this school. Maybe that's one of the reasons that we don't do education and prevention at these schools. Just my thought. 
All right, let's discuss Daisy Coleman for a moment. Daisy Coleman was only 14 years old, and on January 8, 2012, there was a, a night of drinking with friends, guy friends, and she drank way too much. She became unconscious, and her brother's friend, remember, more likely to be harmed by somebody you know, her brother's friend, Matthew Barnett, physically assaulted her, sexually assaulted her. He raped her. And then Barnett had a friend named Jordan Zeck, and Jordan recorded the rape on his cell phone camera. This young man thinks it's okay to record this physical sexual assault, this rape of this young girl on his cell phone camera. And then after they're through sexually assaulting her, Barnett drives Daisy home and dumps her on the front lawn. This is in freezing temperatures. And her mother later said it was so cold her hair had frozen to the ground. And her mom finds her the next morning on the ground, frozen to the ground, barely alive. Now, this occurred in their home, in, in Daisy's hometown of Maryville, Missouri. Barnett, who was 17 at the time, 17-year-old guy, was charged with felony assault, but his argument was the sex was consensual. Yeah, we had a lot to drink. Daisy said, yes, I partook. Daisy is 14. Barnett is 17. The prosecuting attorney says there is insufficient evidence. And eventually, Barnett receives two years probation and an $1,800 fine. Now, I'm going to throw this in, but I'm not saying it's true. But this is part of the story, just enough to add it in. A lot of people believed this light sentence was the result of Matthew Barnett being the grandson of Missouri Republican Representative Rex Barnett. I'm not saying that's true. I'm saying that that was part of the belief that went on in the town. Nonetheless, after it happened, victim blaming, victim shaming, Daisy and her family get ostracized from their community. Daisy's mother is a veterinarian in that community. Daisy is called everything that you can think of, a slut, a whore, a snitch. The boys are treated like heroes by many people in that community. The next thing you know, the Coleman's house burns down. Mrs. Coleman's employer fires her. Daisy is just relentlessly bullied and harassed. This little girl drank way too much, was where she wasn't supposed to be, is sexually assaulted, has the courage to come forward. The boy gets two years probation, $1,800 fine, and victim blaming, victim shaming. The house is burned down, her mama is fired, and she is still being bullied and harassed. Out of this, a documentary called Audrey and Daisy is made of the case. It's an, an amazing, wonderful documentary. It is a tearjerker, and that is because the reality is in your face. It's a documentary called Audrey and Daisy. 
It also includes the story of 15-year-old Audrey Potts, and her story is very similar to Daisy's. Here's something interesting. Maryville, Missouri, Daisy's hometown. The sheriff, Darren White of Maryville, is interviewed in the film, and he says of Daisy's case, quote, girls have much culpability, end quote, in rape cases. The fucking sheriff. If society doesn't start educating our young men and boys on how to treat females, even the most basic common respect, I mean, how hard is it to teach common respect? Our rape and sexual assault victims and survivors with disrespect, we might as well call it the second rape. We're creating adult males just like the sheriff, just like these, high, uh, these college boys that were interviewed and I mentioned earlier. We're creating these adult males who believe non-consensual sex is not rape and we're teaching them that girls are to blame. And that's the vital lesson in Daisy Coleman's suicide. Nine years after her rape, Daisy Coleman's many demons caught up with her. She placed a loaded pistol to her head and she squeezed the trigger. And that ended her girl's problem. Hey everyone, I'm Judith Yates and I want to tell you about a few nonprofit organizations that are there for you. Childtrends.org has information on preventing sexual violence. And it starts with what we teach our boys. The article is by Mary Jo Oster, and it can be found along with other resources at www.childtrends.org. That's C-H-I-L-D-T-R-E-N-D-S. Also, Daisy Coleman's nonprofit organization is called Safe Bay, S-A-F-E-B-A-E dot org. Safe Bay is committed to culturally responsive, evidence-based programming, and it will curate a customized approach to best reach each school's individual needs. Safe Bay focuses on junior high and high school education. Again, www.safebae.org. And for confidential support, call the National Suicide Prevention Line, their number is 1-800-273-8255. That's the National Suicide Prevention Line, 1-800-273-8255. I want you to remember, both males and females, no means no. All right, you go out, make it a good day, and be safe out there. Thank you for joining me on this investigation, exploring true crime, forensics, historic cases, dark history, and criminal theory. This is Best True Crime Podcast. No chatter, no commercials, no off-topic. I do hope you will subscribe. This podcast runs off donations only. You can drop us a donation, $35 or more, and I'll send you a signed book. Just go to www.besttruecrime.com. 
My name is Judith A. Yates, award-winning true crime author, a criminologist, and a paranormal explorer. Thank you for joining me on Best True Crime Podcast, a division of Best True Crime Books, Games, and Video, LLC. Be safe out there.